Allow me a quick introduction. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, the oldest man to ever start a podcast, Greg Cody. Hey all, welcome to episode three of the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody podcast. We are excited to be here. They said it wouldn't last. We're back for episode three. I want to have Len Barry in here singing his signature hit, one, two, three, because we're real happy. All right, I'm going to jump in right there. That's enough of that. That was a terrible joke. What? Len Barry, you you whippersnappers, you don't know who that is. One, two, three, da-da-da-da-da. Now, I'm sure people are wondering, why is Chris interrupting you in your big open to the podcast? Yeah, right? people wait for in their week. They start their Monday mornings with the Greg Cody beginning. Of, and yes. I'm here because these are weird times. Well, this is a strange time. And obviously, we're going to talk about that in depth because uh, everything in sports has changed in the la- really in, in the last few days. And this is like no other time in, in American history, really, in terms of uh, a health hazard, a global a hazard, a, a global crisis, a pandemic reaching out and affecting everything now, including sports. I mean, this hit Miami sports uh, like a ton of bricks over a two-day period last I mean, week. I think it hit everywhere over a ton of bricks. But the thing I want to give you credit for, and as your son, I don't often give you a lot of credit, but <laughs> you had this in, in terms of sports being canceled. You called for it before. any. I did not see anybody else writing that sports needed to be canceled and then you came out with an article, I think last week, Wednesday? Yeah. It was, before sports had been canceled, saying that, you know, this is bigger than sports. Sports needed to go on hiatus. And at the time, I tweeted at you, what the hell are you doing? You're trying to ruin my weekend because this past weekend I was supposed to go to Inter-Miami, their right. first game. So before it became more real for all of us, I was shaking my fist at you like, no, don't cancel sports. But obviously since then, you know, it's probably the right move. Well, um, yeah, I'm going to take both credit and blame depending on your point of view for, for writing something just in advance of all hell breaking loose because um, it was weird to me. And, and the column appeared on MiamiHerald.com Wednesday morning. And at that time, Plugging it. And at that time, nothing had changed. Everything was still on. Nothing had been canceled. Status quo. But it, it was weird to me that the city of Miami had canceled two major events on account of the coronavirus. They canceled the Ultra Music Festival mm-hmm. and they canceled the Calle Ocho celebration, an annual street festival. And it was weird to me that they canceled those two things, but they left alone, you know, heat games and Miami Open tennis at that time. And, and you thought that they were going to go to just still playing, but with no fans. Like, that seemed to be the, the move that people were expecting. Right. Or, or worst case scenario, still playing with fans, which I could have seen. But um, instead, they finally caught up to sports and, and did the right thing. So, uh, it, you know, what I wrote ended up looking a little bit prescient if you don't mind me saying so, because I wrote it just before everything happened. So go ahead and blame me for all. Now, enough about you. <laughs> Never what, enough. What do we do now? Just as a sports fan, what am I supposed to be doing at night? I don't read. <laughs> well, I, I do think it's a great opportunity for people to discover a good book or listen to more podcasts like this one and rate, review, and subscribe, quote unquote. I feel like today's episode is going to be probably as serious as any Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. I feel like we should also give the people a little fun. Do we have anything fun planned in this episode? Well, you know, the coronavirus is the elephant in the room. 
And even the elephant is wearing a surgical mask and avoiding large herds. Hey, rim shot. And, and, uh, and, and also, you know, there's no need to cancel Marlins home games because they don't attract large public gatherings. All right, so besides, I'm out of material. The, besides those two terrible jokes, yes. do we have anything fun planned for the people? I know we're talking to Mina Kimes, and that's always fun. Yes. But just in terms of isolated, fun things, kind of like last week, and you should check out last week's Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody Podcast, Episode 2. Uh, my brother and I tested Greg Cody's movie knowledge, and it is, it, it, it's the most fun I've had so far with the Greg Cody Show. So we're going to try to top it today. Do we have anything fun? Plan. We do, and uh, we debut um, a new feature called Greg's Top Ten, and our first top ten, top ten sound effects. Wow, it's going to be wonderful. I'm looking for. I'm looking at the list right now, and it's delightful. Now, quick side note: moving back to last week, now Rudy Gobert kind of became the face of this because he was the first NBA player to test positive for the coronavirus, and then there was that terrible video of him days prior jokingly touching all the media microphones and cell phones on the table and you know it became he be, kind of became the face of and he was really criticized because obviously in hindsight he put all these people and their families in danger and he apologized he had a good apology he you know he was he wanted people to learn from this some people have made the case that as much of an idiot as he was it was the idiot that we needed to kind of make everyone realize, holy crap, this is something that we need to take seriously. So while it was a foolish act and something he regrets, it seems to be the turning point, and you can almost make a case the NBA also, them suspending their season, they were the leaders on this, and we might look back on this years from now and say, that Rudy Gobert incident and the NBA were the leaders on America taking this seriously. Absolutely, and and the NBA... Uh, and Adam Silver continued to be uh, the the leader in in progressive management of sports, and I give them a lot of credit for being the first league to to sort of shut it down. Um, what did you? I mean, you're actually, <laughs> you know, I actually feel you're as qualified to speak on this next question as much as anybody. You've covered sports for a hundred years, at least. When you think back on all your years, what has been similar to this? I don't think we've ever had a crisis of of this type that has impacted sports this much, this quickly. One of my earliest childhood memories was when my father, your grandfather, was cursing uh, the NFL for playing games two days after the president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, was wow. assassinated. I mean, it's not funny. It's just that's old. That was pretty controversial. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like eight years, nine, ten years old, whatever. But we all remember um, how 9-11 impacted sports. An Olympics was um, interrupted by terrorism. You know, we've seen labor disputes, shorten seasons, and cancel a World Series, but nothing like this. Not even World War II affected sports as hard and as immensely as the coronavirus has. Thank God that sports are shutting it down because, look, the, the, the big public gatherings is the, is the easiest way for this thing to spread and sports leads the league in big public gatherings. It's what sports does. There's nothing globally that attracts large crowds more consistently than sports. Sports had no choice but to do this. Sports can afford to shut it down for a time. Sports could not afford not to. Sports is a toy, a sandcastle on the beach. The coronavirus is the ocean that can wipe everything away if we humans don't take this seriously. Sports is simply doing its part to give doctors, nurses, hospitals, and other healthcare pros a fighting shot against this thing. In bowing to this virus and suspending play, sports are looking out for the well-being of their 
players and fans. To not do so would be flagrantly irresponsible, dangerous. It'll sure make my job tougher. Who cares? You won't be filling out an NCAA bracket. So what? There'll be more time now to discover a good book. Or maybe listen to a podcast? Okay, we're going to turn from the absolute gravity of this coronavirus epidemic to Amina Kimes, the ESPN star. She's a rising star. She's terrific. Respected journalist, NFL expert, host of her own two podcasts on the network. Uh, She's got a lot to say. We ask her a little bit about coronavirus because she's covered that in her latest podcast. But mostly we talk to Amina about the NFL with free agency starting. We talk a lot about where the Dolphins are headed. So here she is, Mina Kimes. Hey, Mina. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. It's it's going great. I'm uh, I'm excited to have you on. I appreciate you uh, carving out a few minutes for my fledgling um, small-time no podcast here. This is terrific. First of all, you are from Seattle. You're from the Northwest area where coronavirus has hit pretty hard. And um, I know very recently on your ESPN Daily podcast, uh, you devoted an episode to that. How weird is it to, to be doing what we do, to be writing and talking about sports at a time when sports is just engulfed by this global pandemic? How, how do you grapple with all that? I think it's, it's challenging because our job is not only to like talk about this stuff, but it's also to elevate the stakes of it, right? I mean, we talk about these decisions and these signings and, and sort of these games as though they're the most important thing on the planet. And then when it becomes abundantly clear that that's not the case, it is awkward at times to create those stakes or to treat them with humor, as you guys so often do on dance show, um, rather than just to play it neutrally. So I think that's difficult. But I also think it's important to remember that the year there are stakes in, in these cancellations. I mean, our episode on ESPN Daily was about the economic costs, and it's going to impact a lot of people. Now, that cost is obviously worth it from a public health perspective, but it doesn't mean there won't be people whose livelihoods are compromised by all this. And that's not just you know the professional athletes and billionaire owners, but that's athletes who a are not stars and not making a ton of money, and then the many, many tens of thousands, more than that, probably of people who work in this industry. So I'm just trying to look at it globally right now and handle it as best I can. Sports seem to um, suddenly and collectively take this so seriously, like Wednesday and Thursday of last week when the NBA, the NHL, MLS, uh, they all seem to come together and and just start canceling and postponing and and everything like that. In general terms, how do you think American sports has handled this crisis? I think with varying degrees of uh, consideration. I think in many cases, government has forced their hand, which is, I think, a good reminder to people of the importance of government, which is to protect us from ourselves sometimes, to protect these for-profit entities from making decisions based on their bottom line. Um, You know, we have dragged our feet on this in a lot of ways, across sports, across leagues, across teams. And I think... um, Hopefully now, you know, everyone's taking these guidelines seriously, but I don't think anyone in sports right now deserves points for being ahead of things. Uh, I, want, I want to veer off into, into something a little less serious right now. First of all, I'm dying to know, is Lenny with you? Lenny is uh, blissfully unaware 
of the drama. Delighted to hear <laughs> that uh, dogs are not carriers for this disease. Isn't that uh, amazing? He's sitting on. He, I know it, it was a tremendous relief because he gets into everything right when even when I take him on a walk. So if anyone would be a carrier, it would be him. But uh, he's sitting on one of his many many beds around the house next to my desk right now. I um, saw a photo of Lenny that you posted recently. I think it was on Instagram and. I must say it was a very unsettling photo for me. Lenny was at the top of a stairwell and, and peering down in a way that was extremely menacing and intimidating to me. What, what, what did you make of the expression on Lenny's face at that moment? Whenever I move from room to room, he is triggered. And it's like living with a stalker at all times. <laughs> He's extremely cognizant of your emotions. And so at that point, I think he was at the top of the stairs just wondering where I was going. Now, you're, you're a dog owner, a dog lover. So am I, as a matter of fact. My dog, uh, Riley, is extremely jealous of the celebrity uh, earned and deserved by Lenny, by the way. Um, but, you know, we're at places now, and you see dogs everywhere, not just uh, service dogs in supermarkets. And uh, how do you feel about bringing dogs to public gatherings where maybe dogs were once not welcome? <laughs> um, I, I feel like everyone thinks I'm this crazy dog owner who's like... <laughs> you know, going to try to put my dog, insinuate, or just kind of put, make other people uncomfortable, I suppose. But I recognize that people have allergies, uh, and we have to be considerate of that. Uh, that said, I would love, you know, for Lenny to be with me at all times in every... I'd love for him to just, even when I go in and, like, do around the horn, I'd like him in the studio. But unfortunately, there's a stigma in our society against Lenny, or against dogs. So you do two podcast, both very successful, ESPN Daily, and then, of course, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, uh, which is more NFL-oriented. For a fledgling podcaster like myself, what advice would you give me other than to ask better questions than this one? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I found that um, it's actually, I think when I first started doing this, I thought podcast, it was all about getting like the celebrity guest or hitting the hottest topic of the day. And I, I found, and I certainly, this is something you guys have learned with Levitard's show, it's not really about that at all. Uh, it's just kind of about people wanting to spend time with you and, and if they want to spend time with you and your friends, right? Sure. And feel like they're at the sports bar listening to people who actually like each other. So that, that I'd say, is my number one piece of advice. Right. Well, that's uh, part of the reason you're on is that I admire your work greatly and also I am uh, making an unabashed effort to pander to the Levitard audience and, and all of his surrounding talent. So this is, uh, you know, nothing personal, but, uh, you know, we're being wow. very uh, two-faced here. Fair enough. So you're an NFL expert, an NFL fan. You're an admitted longtime Seahawks fan, uh, which most years is, is, is good to be. Uh, I want to get to the Dolphins in a second, but first, most people are interested in where Tom Brady is going. You know, a, a month or two ago, I would have said there's no way he's leaving New England. But now many pundits and, and others seem to think that there's a great chance he might leave the Patriots. Why aren't Brady and Belichick just just riding off into the sunset together? It, it, it almost seems blasphemous that Tom Brady of anybody uh, would end his career in a, in a different uniform. Is it do you sense that it's Belichick, you know, being OK with Brady leaving or, or what's what's the route here? Yeah, I think Belichick's fine with it. I think he's been fine with it for a while. I mean, we. I'll know now that Jimmy Garoppolo was brought in to be the quarterback of the future, and you remember sort of all the drama surrounding that situation when he left and what Bill Belichick wanted. I don't think that means necessarily 
he wants Brady gone, but I don't think he wants to give Tom Brady a lot of money and everything he wants, you know, versus the alternative of a potentially cheaper quarterback, a younger quarterback. So I, I, I think Brady is interested in leaving and exploring his options. And uh, I, I think Bill Belichick would be fine with him leaving. This is weird to me because I'm sort of surprised. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I'm sort of surprised there's a vibrant market for Brady at age 43 uh, with his salary, with his evident sharp decline. I mean, you could you could make a valid argument that Brady is either washed up or beginning to, to look like it. Do you see enough left in him to warrant the kind of attention and money he's going to get in the coming week or so? Well, to go to your first point, I'm not sure there is a vibrant market for Brady. We're hearing a lot about, you know, these teams that are being linked with him. But from what I hear, a lot of it is his camp being interested in those teams. I would throw, like, for example, the Niners in there as an example of that, right, when that rumor popped up. Um, so I don't think there are actually that many teams that are strongly pursuing him, just say that. Um, and some of that has to do not only with his cost and, and recent decline in performance, but also I think those teams and their various quarterback situations and the comparative value. So I think he still has the potential to be an above average quarterback in this league, depending on the situation. But at 43, he'll be 43 and that's just unprecedented territory. So for me, the money would have to be right, and the situation would have to be right as well. Who's the second most interesting free agent for you coming into all this? Uh, Jadavian Clowney is a fascinating case. You know, some people have him listed as the most desirable free agent uh, pass rusher, and there's a number of pass rushers uh, available. And this is of interest to Dolphins fans, I think, because they obviously have the money and need for one of these high-profile pass rushers. But other people think he's terribly overrated due to the lack of sacks. There's a lot of divide, sort of there's a divided opinion in the NFL about how good he is, how much he's worth. He typically rates high in a lot of advanced metrics, like our ESPN's pass rush win rate. He gets a lot of pressure. He's excellent in the run game, but he just does not get sacks. And I think it's going to be really interesting to, be, to me to see how much he's paid relative to some of the other pass rushers, like Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, who would be a, a trade candidate coming out of Jacksonville, Chris Jones. I, I'm really unsure right now of how much he's going to make. You mentioned a, a bunch of quality edge rushers who are available, and you mentioned the Dolphins who, after quarterback, probably need a, a pass rusher more than anything else. Dolphins have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot mm-hmm. of draft picks coming up in April how do you see the next six weeks unfolding for Miami? Are they going to get Tua Tagovailoa at, at number five? Who do you see them targeting free agency? What's your sense of, uh, of where they're headed? Sure. Well, this time of year, I go through every team and do their team needs ahead of free agency in the draft, right? Just thinking through, okay, what are the holes on the roster? What positions they might prioritize? The Dolphins, I have literally everything on here. So it's really hard to pick, you know, what right. what they might prioritize. They, I mean, when you look at this depth chart, like you see, okay, you know, Preston Williams flashed a little. They still have Xavier Howard. I forgot to keep Dilib was on the team until I did this exercise. It is a rough, rough roster. So you could literally choose any position. Now, I think with bringing in 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, signaled to me they really want to go rookie quarterback. Obviously, they've been linked to Tua Tagovailoa forever. There is a lot of smoke right now linking them to Justin Herbert. I just do not see that. Um, but they're going to have to trade up for Tua, it seems like, right, given the fact that there's kind of a, a cluster of teams that need quarterbacks picking around there. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes to number three. They might have to use some of their other draft assets. So then, assuming that they do that and they pull it off, again, I don't see them paying quarterback. You say, okay, how are they going to deploy this money? And you're right, edge rusher seems to be a natural space. But they, they have enough money where they could add at a few positions, not just edge rusher. You know, like I said, they need everything. There's some former Patriots, and, and given with Brian Flores and his background, you'd think they might have, go after some of them on the defense to sort of augment the depth chart and mm-hmm. that side of the roster. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after, you know, you, you got your, your Van Noys uh, out there. Um, Joe Sooney, guard, another former Patriot, I could see them going after. But it, it starts with edge rusher. I don't know whether that's going to be a clowny, whether they might do a trade for uh, Ngakwe or Chris Jones, but one of those players probably will be a Miami Dolphin next year. Mina, I want to thank you very much. Uh, check her out on ESPN Daily Podcast as well as the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the greatest dog on earth. And um, appreciate your time, and, uh, and hopefully we'll run across each other soon. I would love that. Thanks to Mina Kimes for her time and her talent and the great intel on uh, NFL free agency and the Miami Dolphins. We still have our big premiere of Greg's Top 10 sound effects coming up. But first, what everybody's been talking about and asking for, our take on the new Ozzy Osbourne album. Ozzy Osbourne. I love music of most types. It's a continuing joy in my life. I've never been a big Ozzy fan. Don't own any Black Sabbath music, but I was drawn to his new album, his first solo collection in 10 years, called Ordinary Man. Guests on the work include Post Malone, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, and others. Ozzy's 71 now and has battled through many health problems. Recently, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, but that unmistakable voice of his sounds great. The album is mostly the hard rock and metal you'd expect, but the title track is poignant. Ozzy, with piano and a verse by longtime friend Elton John, sings about sudden fame and growing old and not wanting to die an ordinary man. I don't think there's much risk of that for Ozzy. Thank you for the new music and for rocking on through an extraordinary life. That's right, folks. It's a clearly stolen segment from Dave Letterman. It's Greg's Top 10. And we start today, the first installment, with Greg's Top 10 sound effects. How'd you come up with this bit idea? I'm a huge sound effect fan. I I really am. I've I've always, maybe it, it dates back to my childhood watching cartoons on Saturday morning, and they all had the wacky sound effects and everything. And, uh, and and I love them. This is super exciting. I couldn't be more excited. Thank you. Number 10, bowling pins. That's a good sound, I have to admit. that You're coming out of the gate strong. Thank you. Number 9, screeching tires. Okay, solid. 
I like that. Yeah. And, you know, not as good as bowling pins. I would have had them a little. I would have. Right. Well, uh, you anyway. know, it's my list, not yours. It's true. <laughs> Number eight, needle on vinyl. Okay. Old fashioned, like. Yeah. Little, yeah. Well, you don't have to do it. We just heard it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, that's my that's version. It's a good sign. Yeah. Number seven, knock on door. Now, wait, wait, wait. Before we play the sound, are we talking about a hand knocking on the door or one of those thingies that come on old-fashioned doors that knock for you? What are those things called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, little... A door knocker. A door knocker. Are yeah. we talking door knocker or from a hand? Obviously, the knuckle on wood is the classic door knock. Do you go with your hand forward or do you go a little backwards? Oh, forward for sure. Number six. Creaky gate. I don't even. I don't even know. Okay. The creaky gate is like, uh, you know, when you watch the monsters or Drac, you know, the Dracula cartoon or something. You heard it right, folks. Greg Cody just referenced the monsters and the Dracula cartoon. Number five, mooing cow. Solid. Yeah, yeah I have to say. Of all the animal noises, definitely one of the most solid ones. Number four, car crash. That's morbid. What can I tell you? Have you ever witnessed one live and you're like, ooh, good sound? It is good sound. You know, you, and, and just to make it clear, nobody was hurt in the making of this car crash sound. And number three, the up-down whistle. Oddly delightful. It's a, a good sound. <laughs> it really, I didn't it even was, know. When you said it, I was like, this is ridiculous, but right. it's a good sound. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't positive what it was called, but apparently it's called the up-down whistle. <laughs> number two. Oi. <laughs> Just you saying oi? Well, it's the word oi with an exclamation point. And by the way, that's an homage to one of my radio heroes, Uncle Neil Rogers. Rero's. If anybody real, if anybody remembers Uncle Neil, he had a bit where he played somebody saying "Oi!" and I want to, uh, I want to honor that "Oi!" And the number one sound on Greg Cody's top ten sound effects is the Boeing sound. I mean, what are we doing? It's the like all-time classic. I feel like you had a good list going. You came out strong with bowling pins, some solid ones, couple clunkers in there. Yeah. But number one, you got to come stronger with number one. Boeing is the classic. <laughs> Ain't no better sound effect than Boeing. What's the scenario where this sound effect is used? Eh, you know, it can it can be used, you know, when... It has no home, this sound effect. Yes, it does. When something happens that would make me say, baby... That might deserve a boing. You know what I'm saying? Quite the underwhelming. You, you, you got to get your, your your mind in the gutter, son. Now I have to admit, hell of an idea. Not an original one, but the hell of an idea. Greg's top ten. I can't wait to see what we do next time. I can't either. Back to you, Greg. Well, that's it for episode three of the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody podcast. We're thrilled that you joined us again this week. And, and have become a loyal listener, I hope. 
Remember to rate, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Subscribing is Why free. Why do you see? I, I, I just have to jump in here. Yeah. Why do you consistently say that subscribing is very important to us here? I feel like rate, review, and subscribe are all equally important. Yeah. This is now going to be the third time where you've tried to tell people that the subscribing part is more important yeah, that's when you true. yourself have no clue whether that's actually true or not. I have less than no clue. I don't know anything about that. You're right. I'm like favoring subscriptions over my two other children. It's ridiculous. Also, your other two outros have sounded very similar to this one today. That's why I'm jumping in right now to right. differentiate this one from the other ones. Okay. So people don't think that you're just playing the same outro for every Oh, episode. I'm definitely not. And here's proof that it's a different outro. We'd like to thank Mina Kimes, hey. our special guest today. She was on. She was great. Uh, we dealt with the heavy stuff, the coronavirus, uh, obviously, but we had... Fun with Mina. We debuted uh, Greg's Top Ten. And um, you know what? Family, thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you back here next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.